0: Good morning, everybody. Good to see you this morning. So glad that you're here with us. If you are new with this, I think you came on a great Sunday because today we are starting a brand new series that's going to help us explore the heart of God. And if you are a Christ follower, some of the stuff that we are going to learn together has huge implications for us. So as we learn about things that are very important to God, we're going to have to do some personal evaluation. And find out, hey, is that important to me as well? And what God wants for us is for us to join him in his work in the world. Uh, He wants us to join him in caring about things that matter deeply to him. So again, if you're a Christ follower, uh, this series is going to provide an opportunity for us to really evaluate. Do I care about the stuff that God cares about? Now, if you would say that you're not a Christ follower... If you'd say like, hey, I'm just here, I saw the sign, thought I was going to the movie theater, and I'm disappointed because there's no popcorn, Um, if if that's you or say, listen, I'm not a a believer in Jesus, I'm here checking things out, I'm so glad you're here because I think this series can help you really determine whether you think God should be a part of your life. I think this series will will help you understand what's very important to God, and you'll be able to determine whether you want to be in a relationship with him or not. So um, if you're new, if you're regular tender, if you're a believer, if you're you're not a believer in Christ yet, I'm just glad that you're here with us. Now, as we begin our exploration of what is important to God, we are going to actually start with Jesus. Uh, The Bible teaches that Jesus is God in the flesh. And so when we watch Jesus, when we see things that are important to him, we're going to see things that are important to God the Father as well. Now, most of us know that Jesus lived on planet Earth a little over 2,000 years ago. And when Jesus came, at the age of 30, he started what was called his public ministry, So from 30 to 33 and a half, uh, when he died, death, burial, and resurrection, in that time period, he gathered his closest followers. So as he began that, he selected the men who were going to be his closest followers. And these were going to be the guys that he was going to pour all of his life into for three and a half years. And then he was going to leave planet earth and leave it all in their hands. So you would think that when Jesus was going around to select these guys that were going to be his closest followers, that he would have had super high standards. You would have thought that he would have selected people who had uh, spent all of their lives studying the Bible. People maybe had gone to Bible college and who had dedicated their lives to serving God. But Jesus didn't do that. Jesus went around inviting some very ungodly people to be his closest followers, The Bible actually captures several lists of the 12 disciples, also known as the 12 apostles. In Matthew chapter 10, it gives us one of those lists. Again, remember, these are the people that Jesus said, I'm going to invest all of my time in you because you're going to carry my message throughout the entire world after I leave. So Matthew chapter 10, verse 2, says, here are the names of the 12 apostles. First, Simon, also called Peter, Then Andrew, Peter's brother, James, son of Zebedee, John, James' brother, Philip, Bartholomew, Thomas, Matthew, the tax collector, James, son of Alphaeus, Thaddeus, Simon, the zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who later betrayed him. Now, it's a very interesting group of people that Jesus has selected, and I don't know how much you know about them, but basically, they're a bunch of misfits, a bunch of, of people that are outcasts, They're outsiders. These are the guys that everyone in their culture had overlooked except Jesus. And just out of curiosity, how many of you would say, you know what it's like to be an outsider of something, outside of some group, left out, overlooked, not invited, not included in some way, like at some point in your life, you were not a part of that group and it was clear that you weren't invited, you weren't a part of that. I think many of us, can identify with that. You know, there are a lot of bad experiences in the world, and that's one of them. You know, to be the one who isn't included in the game, the one who isn't invited to the party, the one no one wants to take to the prom, the one who always gets overlooked at work, at, at school, or even at home. I think many of us can identify with that experience at some level in our lives. And, and I know that Jesus' disciples definitely could identify with that. Again, we've got a group of misfits, a group of people who really, they weren't a part of any group and they really didn't belong in a group together. Peter, Andrew, James, John, and Philip, they were all fishermen. Not a very prestigious job in Jesus' day, and no respectable leader would have chosen them to be his closest followers. So again, th- think about it in, in today's terminology. If you want to start a business that you have these big dreams and big, big plans for, you want this business to impact the entire world, you want this business to have a legacy that way outlasts you for thousands of years, you're going to be very selective about the first few people that you hire. Uh, you wouldn't hire who Jesus hired. They didn't know enough about the Bible. I mean, that wasn't the A team. Uh, That was, I don't even know that they were the B team. They were probably the Z team. The the people, everybody else is going like, really? Like, you're gonna pick them? And you hope that this uh, movement that you have transforms the world? Yeah, it'll probably die in the next few months. Like, it doesn't stand a chance if you're gonna bring them on. I mean, these guys are just fishermen. Then you look at Peter. Peter was known as a loud mouth, very impulsive, You know, often shot stuff out of his mouth and then thought later about it. Like, maybe I shouldn't have said that. Um, Jesus had to do a lot of damage control behind Peter. You know, like, Peter, come on, man, like, get this right, get get back in line. Um, Maybe it's better for you to just be quiet for a little bit. And then you've got uh, James and John. They were called sons of thunder, which probably refers to the fact that they were rather opinionated and cocky. So get this, on one occasion, there was a guy doing something really well, and they went up and told him to stop because he wasn't a part of their group. I get that. You know, like this guy's like, hey, I'm doing something really good. Yeah, but you can't do that because you're just not an official part of our group. And then on another occasion, they basically told Jesus, we're your most important disciples. So would you give us places of prominence in heaven? And that made all the other disciples angry. Um, When it comes to Bartholomew and Thaddeus, we don't know much about them. But Thomas, you know, doubting Thomas, uh, you maybe have heard that story. He doubted that Jesus had risen from the grave. And you know the guy Judas, the guy who later betrayed Jesus? He was a thief. Guess what position on the team he got? He was the banker. (laughs) Jesus said, hey, like, here's the money. You take control of it. And what did he do? He stole from the disciples and he stole from Jesus. So again, very interesting group of people that Jesus had collected together to say, this is my core group. This is the group that's going to transform the world. Now, this passage tells us something very interesting about two of the disciples. In this list, it tells us one of the disciples' jobs, and it tells us another disciple's political affiliation. So verse 3 says that Matthew was a tax collector, and verse 4 says that Simon was a zealot. Now we're going to start with Simon the zealot. So let me explain what that meant. So a zealot was someone, um, it was uh, basically a political party, an extreme Jewish political party. So someone involved in that, but it was way more than that. See, in in Jesus' day, the Jews were under the oppression of the Romans. So the Romans were in, in control over all of the Jews, and they basically Told them like what they could do, what they couldn't do, and so they had to answer to the Romans for many things. And a zealot was someone who hated that so much they would do anything to fight against that, even if it meant violence. So, again, like, I think if you're a Roman and you think of a zealot, you're probably thinking terrorist. All right, so how do you deal with a terrorist? For them, they would have been like, hey, just arrest them all, throw them in prison forever, throw away the key, better yet, just kill them, and then we won't have to deal with them at all. And it's very interesting that Jesus selected a zealot to help share his message of hope, peace, and love to the world. Very interesting that Simon was a part of that group. Now, zealots believe that uh, paying taxes to Rome was an act of blasphemy against God. So they refused to pay taxes uh, to the Romans, period. And the only people that the zealots hated more than the Romans were Jewish tax collectors. So the Romans came up with this brilliant idea. So what they said was, all right, so we're going to select some uh, tax collectors from the Jewish culture and uh, we're going to say, this is the minimum of taxes you have to collect. Anything above that is yours. You can charge anything you want. We just require that you give us this. So it it bought a little bit of allegiance from those tax collectors. And so those tax collectors, the Jewish ones, would say to their own people, you know, um, being under this oppression of the Romans, it's not all that bad. Why were they saying that? Because they were getting rich off the oppression of their own people. So the Israelites saw tax collectors as the worst sinners possible. They were traitors to their God and their country, you know, in a scale of bad people, you know, like the worst sinner ever. And then there were the tax collectors. So I thought, man, they are the worst of the worst. So guess who Jesus decided to add to their group? A Jewish tax collector named Matthew. Uh, Matthew chapter nine, verse nine says, as Jesus was walking along, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at his tax collector's booth. Jesus said, hey, Matthew, why don't you come and follow me and be one of my disciples? And so Matthew got up and he followed him. All right. Put yourself in Simon's place. Okay. You're a zealot. You hate the oppression that you experience. You hate it so much you're willing to fight in any way possible to free your country country from that oppression. You're walking with Jesus. You see Matthew. What do you want to do? Draw your sword and probably kill him in that moment. And you think Jesus is probably gonna steer away from him. Why would Jesus interact with a traitor? I mean, we don't want a traitor a part of our group. Jesus walks up to Matthew and says, hey, want you you be a part of our group? What's going on in your mind if you're Simon. Like your mind's blown, like, wait a minute, Jesus. Like, do you realize what he does? You know he's a traitor to our country. He's a traitor to our God. Why would you invite him? And Jesus, being God in the flesh, he would have known what was going on in Simon's mind. He would have known what Simon was thinking and feeling. He would have known that inviting Matthew into the group would have caused Simon to reconsider whether he wanted to be involved with Jesus at all or not. And Jesus invited Matthew anyway. One of the things that I think Jesus knew about Simon, and I think that he knows about many of us, is that even though uh, at one point Simon was an outcast, that Jesus included him, even though that happened, Simon wasn't all that excited about including other outcasts. He wasn't all that you know, super excited about, man, I was once included by Jesus. This is so great. Let's find all the outcasts we can find and invite them in. He didn't have that experience. Now, I've had a few experiences in my life of being the outsider I think we, we all have. But one stood out in my mind as I was preparing this message, and it was in middle school. So you may go, eh, that's not that big of a deal. At the moment, it was a big deal to me. And it, it's something that I, I carried in my adulthood, understanding what it felt like to be an outsider in that moment. And it wasn't a pleasant experience. So one summer when I was in middle school, my family and I went away on a trip for about a month. And when we came back from that trip, my best friend... And another guy in our neighborhood, a guy that wasn't a part of our circle of friends, they struck up a friendship. And I think they were the only two guys in the neighborhood or something. uh, So they kind of had to strike up a friendship in order to hang out with somebody else. And so they struck up this friendship and and enjoyed some time together. When I came back, I went to see my, my best friend. And he communicated very clearly that I was now on the outside. That he and his new friend had started a new group and I wasn't a part of it. And so for several weeks, he made that very clear. So I'd go to see him and they just kind of made it very clear. Like, hey, what are you guys doing? Nothing, we're hanging out together. And then they would just circle off by themselves and and wouldn't invite me, wouldn't include me in anything that was going on. Now, you may understand what that's like. That's not a pleasant experience. It wasn't fun. A couple of those those weeks throughout the summer were just kind of painful for me. Like, man, that's my best friend. Apparently, uh, we aren't as good of friends as I thought. But then several weeks later, my best friend and I reconnected and everything went back to normal. I was back in, and that other guy, guess what? He was back out. And you would have thought that after having that experience, knowing how unpleasant that was, you would have thought that I would have said, hey, like, let's include him. You know, there's always room for more. I mean, we, we can have another friend in our circle. This would be great. Let's include him. But I didn't have that experience. So what I thought was, man, I am so glad to be back in with my best friend I basically said to the other guy, sucks to be you. Sorry, you're out. Why? I don't know. Just not your day. Just not good for you. Um, You would have thought I would have had a different experience. And I think Jesus knows that many of us have that same perspective. Many of us, when we get included in any group, we're so grateful to be in the group that we quickly forget what it's like to be outside the group. We quickly forget what it's like to be an outsider. Now, here's the bottom line for this entire series. It has three parts to it. I'm going to try to tie them all together as we kind of close out this message today. The first part is this. We are all outcasts. We're all outcasts. The Bible makes that very clear. Romans 3.23 says that everyone has sinned, We all fall short of God's glorious standard. We've all messed up. We've all messed up in big ways or small ways. Our sin puts us outside of a relationship with God. That's what sin does. It breaks our relationship with God. So all of us have been outcasts. All of us know what it's like to be outsiders because of the choices that we have made. Now, the second part of our main takeaway is this. We're all outcasts pursued by an inclusive God. We serve a very inclusive God. The most famous Bible verse ever, John 3, 16 says, for God loved the world so much that he gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. So Jesus, God in the flesh, came to earth to pursue us. He came to make it possible for us to be back in a right relationship with God the Father. Jesus pursued us to the point that he died so that we could be in a relationship with God the Father, so that we could be included. He said, you're so valuable to me. Yeah, I know you messed up. I know you're an outcast. I understand all that. You are so valuable to me I will die so that you can be included in God's family. Now, based upon John 3:16, who is eternal life offered to? So look at that verse and shout it out once you see it. Everyone. Everyone. Who is eternal life offered to? Everyone. It's offered to everyone who believes that Jesus Christ died so we can live. Romans 3.22 captures that this way. It says, we are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for, that word again, everyone who believes, no matter who we are. So it doesn't matter who we are. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter how far away from God that you think you are. Everyone is included and can be included in God's family. If they want to be. Now, watch what Matthew does. So Jesus includes him. And watch what Matthew does as a response to that. Matthew chapter 9, verse 10. It says, later Matthew invited Jesus and his disciples to his home as dinner guests, along with many tax collectors and other disreputable sinners. So the, the first thing that Matthew does, after being included by Jesus, is to include others. And who does he include? Other tax collectors and other disreputable sinners. Why? Because Matthew understood the proper response after being included is to include others. And who did Matthew go after? His friends. He went after the people in a circle of influence. He said, guys, I've been included and I want you to be included. So he didn't do kind of the Simon thing. He didn't go, well, I'm in, you're out, sucks to be you. When I've been included and I desperately want you to be included as well. That's the third part of our takeaway. It's this, because we have been included, we should include others. Those of us who are in the inside of God's family should pursue those who are on the outside of God's family. Our response to being included should always be to include others. So you know that guy at school that you can't stand? Yep. God wants you to include him in his family. God wants you to invite him, make it possible. God wants you to tell him how he can possibly be included. You know that woman at work that you avoid? Yep, God wants her invited into the group. You know that person in our community that you think that person is a horrible sinner? I mean, they may even be worse than a tax collector. Yeah, you know that person? You probably have somebody in your mind. God loves them. Jesus wants them to know that he died so that they can live. He wants you, he wants me to go into our circle of influence and tell people that Jesus died so that they can be included. He wants us to show them how they can be included in God's family. I think God wants our church and I think God wants every church to be a response, like an active response to him including us. So here at Epic, we're very passionate about creating a church where outcasts are welcome. Our motto as a church is that we are a church for people who don't do church. And the interesting thing about that statement is we find people either are turned off by it or they lean into it. Either they go, that's the craziest thing I've ever heard. Why would anybody wanna go to that church? And then other people go, that's the weirdest thing I've ever heard. What is going on there? And they lean in and say, I would like to explore a little bit more. And here's the thing, we don't wanna just do church. Church world is um, filled with Christians who are very exclusive, who come together and sing songs that we all know, speak a language that we all know, pat each other on the back and say, see you next week. And then we go out into the world and we don't care as much about our community that are, that are outside of God's family. And basically we live in a way that we say to them, sucks to be you. I'm on the inside, you're on the outside. I guess you'll figure it out one way or somehow. I don't know, maybe God will open a door for you, but I don't know that I will. Churches are very um, popular or well-known for that. Churches are very known for being rather exclusive and we don't wanna be that way. We want to join Jesus in his mission of pursuing and including outcasts into God's family. We wanna care about people in our community, whether they're like us or not. Doesn't matter if they're different. Doesn't matter if they believe the same stuff that we believe. Doesn't matter if they care about the things that we care about. We want to include them in God's family. We want Epic to be a place where people far from God can come and explore the teachings of Jesus and see how their lives can be radically transformed by those teachings. And if there's somebody who says, "Listen, like I just want to explore," great. We want them to come. And I think our world is starving for churches like that. Churches filled with zealots and tax collectors, people who should hate each other, but because of God's love, they love each other. Wouldn't it be amazing if people found out that maybe we all went to church together and said, like, how do you guys go to church together? Like, you guys shouldn't get along. Like, you're all different. And I think that's what God wants us to create. I think when he, Jesus started choosing his disciples, he was modeling for us what it meant to be an inclusive group. Why? Because our God is very inclusive. Our God cares about everybody. He wants everybody to be a part of His family. So, what's important to God? Or, better asked, who is important to God? The answer is outcasts. The answer is including outcasts people on the outside, people who feel like they don't belong, people who think, you know what, no one cares about me. God wants everyone, again, to be a part of His family. Why? Because we're all outcasts and uh, pursued by a very inclusive God. And because we have been included, God wants us to include others. So if you're new with us here today and um, you're just exploring things, I'm just glad you're here. And if you want to continue to explore what it means to be in a relationship with Jesus Christ, that's great. I hope that you'll hang out with us and do that. It doesn't matter whether you have a church background or not. It doesn't matter if you know a lot about the Bible or not. It doesn't matter if, if you believe all that we believe at this moment or not. And when Jesus went up to Matthew, and Jesus went up to many of his disciples, he just said, hey, come follow me. He didn't grill them, interview them, and say, hey, well, what do you know about this? And, you know, can you, can you list John 3.16? Of course, John 3.16 wasn't was happening. He was making John 3.16 at that moment. But he didn't grill people and go, well, I don't know. I don't know. Apparently, you don't know enough about the Bible. You don't have a great enough history to be in, uh, uh, with serving God to be included in my group. No, he went and said, hey, like, come follow me. And they're like, where are we going? I like, Just come follow me. So if you're in a spot where you're just exploring, Jesus just says, hey, come, follow me. And I'll show you on the journey what it means to be in a real relationship with me. Now, if you say that you would call Epic your church home, I hope that you'll join us in creating a church for people who don't do church. I hope that you will join us in creating a space where outsiders become insiders. I mean, that's my hope and prayer for our church family. If you say Epic is my home, I hope you're known in your community. I hope you're known at your school. I hope you're, you're known at work as being a very inclusive person because that's what God wants all of us to be, inclusive. Now, here's several action items for us. Out of today's message, and I think out of the series that we're going to do, first thing is God wants us to be inclusive. God wants us to include others. So at work, at school, at home, at the gym or wherever you hang out for your hobby, I think God wants you to be known as a very inclusive person. I think God wants your eyes, my eyes, to be open to anybody who's on the fringe, anybody who's outside of a group, anybody who's not a part of God's family. I think God wants us to have very discerning eyes for them. I think God wants us to care about them. And I think God wants us to move in their direction, not just to say, hey, like, I don't care about you. You know, I mean, you can stay in the fringe. It doesn't matter. I, I'm, I'm in. I'm in doesn't really matter whether you're in or not. I think God wants us to go out of our way to help people become a part of God's family. Now, here's a, another thing that we can do, just a minor action point out of this, but I think it can be a major thing. Uh, in three weeks, we're gonna celebrate Easter together, one of the greatest days uh, in, in my mind out of the year. I mean, it's the day that Jesus made it possible for us to be included in God's family And there's a lot of people that are open to coming to church on Easter. And so I think we should invite them. It'd be a beautiful thing to just invite people to an Easter service. You've got some cards on your seat that you can use for that. A little card, as Chris was telling you about in the announcements, it says, Will You on it? And it's got the information on the back. So I think you should take a handful of these. We should have more in our Connection Center. Just take a handful and pass them out at school, at home, at work, wherever. Invite somebody. If you know somebody who's on the outside of a group, then invite them. You know somebody who's not a part of God's family? Invite them. And what we're gonna do this year is I'm gonna try to be as clear as possible of what it means to enter a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. I'm gonna gonna work my hardest to be as clear as possible to help people make that life-changing decision. So if you know somebody in that spot who desperately needs that, invite them to come and be a part of that service. So take those cards and use them this week and throughout uh, the next three weeks as we come up towards Easter. Now, I'm going to close this out in a word of prayer, and then in just a moment, our worship team is going to come and send us out with a closing song, and here's what I encourage you to do during that song. If you are a Christ follower, I encourage you to pause for a moment and thank God for including you. You were once an outsider. You were an outcast, and Jesus came to earth to die for you, so spend some time thanking him for doing that, and then I encourage you to continue that conversation and say, God, please open my eyes to all the people that are around me that are outsiders. Give me a heart for them like you have a heart for them. Help me to not just see them and identify them in my circle. Help me to take a step in their direction. Give me words to say. Give me a relationship to build with them. Help me to show them what it means to be included in God's family. So let's pray together. Lord, I'm so grateful that you have included us. Lord, we're all outcasts. We're all misfits. We, we all don't belong in a group. And yet, you love this so much that you send Jesus. And Jesus, you volunteered and said, I'll go, I'll go and die so that they can be included in our family again. Thank you so much including us. And Lord, I pray that we would have the heart of Matthew, this guy in in the group with the disciples that everybody probably thought like he's the worst of the worst. I mean, they probably put him even below Judas, who was a kind of a known thief. They put him at the bottom because he was a traitor. And yet Matthew went, I understand the proper response after being included by Jesus is to include others. So Lord, I pray that you would light a fire in our hearts that burns for the rest of our lives, that we would see outsiders. We would see outcasts around us everywhere and that we would take a step in their direction and we would invite them into your family. In Jesus' powerful name we pray this. Amen.
1: Well, good morning, everyone. My name is Chris. Welcome to Epic. And uh, I just want to thank Evan and the rest of our worship team had a pretty big crowd on the stage today. I think they did a great job. So thank you to them. Yes, round of applause. That was good. It's always nice to have a big crowd out here. Get us jump started in the morning. Well, welcome to Epic Church. I'm glad that you're joining us. And if you're new with us, I'd like to let you know that we have a connection center uh, right around the curtains over there. So on the way out today, if you want to stop by, we'd love to meet you personally, maybe answer any questions that you might have. So you can't miss it. your button hook around the curtains, it'll be on the right before you hit the exit doors. So Easter is rapidly approaching. It's a little bit earlier this year than it is on most years, and it's actually going to be on April the 5th. So I encourage you to start thinking about or praying about, is that there? Is there the certain family member or uh, the neighbor, the coworker, or just somebody that you feel like could benefit from our Easter service? Uh, think about inviting them here. And what we've done is we've gone ahead and printed out some cards that are on your seat. It says, will you on the front and on the back, has information about what, uh, when and where our Easter services are. You can use this as a little invitation. If you pick that person, you can just hand it to them and say, hey, we'd love for you to attend on Easter Sunday. And to go along with our Easter service, we're actually going to have a baptism that evening over in Flagler Beach at 5.30 p.m. It's going to be at North 16th Street. That's our regular place that we do our baptisms. So if you've recently um, decided to place your faith and trust in Jesus Christ and you're ready to express that to others, you can take part in this one-time public act as a symbol of that decision. So if you'd like to learn a little bit more about baptism or you said to yourself, you know what, I'm ready for that, please visit our website at theepicchurch.com and click on the sign-up tab. It's going to be on the top right-hand corner or right along the event banner on the front page. You can just click on that link and it'll take you over and give you all the information that you may need. So if you've been attending Epic on a regular basis and you've committed to donate a portion of your finances back to Epic Church to help support what we do here, what we do in Flagler County, and what we do globally, First of all, I just want to personally thank you for that. And if you'd like to continue to do that, or recently you've taken that leap of faith financially, there's two ways that you can donate. First off, you can visit our website at theepicchurch.com. There's a giving tab, and you can donate electronically. Or we've got giving boxes that are in the back behind you. In the seating sections, there's a table and a brown box that you can utilize as well. So this is exciting. Epic is planning a trip to Israel in January of 2016. So we want to find out about how many people might be interested in this trip of a lifetime. I see hands going up already. Yeah, I'm interested. Well, hold on. I'm glad you're interested. Well, just to let you know, we have a tour guide that has been there eh, 125 times. So I think that A, uh, he knows his way around, and B, we'll be in good hands. So on March the 29th, We're gonna have an informational meeting after both services right here at Epic. So if a light bulb just went off or you were one of the people that just raised their hands, market calendars, March 29th, come on over and attend one of those informational meetings and maybe we can answer some more questions about that trip. So there's another trip that's going on. It's gonna be a little bit closer to home. It's gonna take place this summer. Cody Anderson, he is our 7th through uh, through 12th grade student ministry leader. He's going to take a group of adult volunteers and they're going to go up to Jekyll Island, Georgia this year for our um, student ministry summer camp. And what they're going to do is they're going to stay right on the beach. And it's going to give the kids an opportunity to kind of explore God, but have a good time while they're doing it. So this camp is going to offer a local mission trip. There's going to be a water park there. There's going to be volleyball and basketball tournaments. So on March 29th as well, we're going to have an informational meeting after both services. So if you've got a kid or a student from 7th to 12th grade, uh, please plan on attending one of those meetings. And I just want to clarify, if you've got a student in 6th grade that's going to graduate in a couple of months, that student is eligible for our camp. So please feel free to come by to that meeting and uh, you know, get some information about camp. So as you know... We've been going through our marriage series, and we closed that out last week, and following up with that, there was an event that took place this weekend up in St. Augustine called The Weekend to Remember, and there was several couples from Epic Church that went up there uh, to learn more about their relationships and what God says about it. So what I'd like to do before Trent comes out here to give his message is I'd like to just say a word of prayer uh, for them. So if you don't mind, go ahead and bow your heads and pray along with me. So God, first of all, I just thank you so much for providing an atmosphere uh, where couples can engage you and work on their marriage, Lord. Um, I pray that hearts are healing up there and that forgiveness is being offered, uh, new commitments are being made, and that you, God, are the center of it all. Lord, I pray that there's been an impact on all the couples that attended and that they're passionate about the covenant they made with their spouse and with you, God. And I pray they'll come home better husbands, better wives, Uh, and with a better understanding of how to be partners in life. So God, I pray all this in your holy name, Jesus. Amen.